The scripture for today's teaching comes from 2 Kings chapter 11, verses 4 through 12. But in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of the Karaites and of the guards and had them come to him in the house of the Lord. And he made a covenant with them and put them under the oath in the house of the Lord. And he showed them the king's son and he commanded them. This is the thing you should do. One third of you, those who come off duty on the Sabbath and guard the king's house, another third being at the gate, sir, and a third at the gate behind the guards shall guard the palace. And the two divisions of you which come on duty in force on the Sabbath and guard the house of the Lord on behalf of the king shall surround the king, each with weapons in his hand. And whoever approaches the rings is to be put to death. Be with the king when he goes out and when he comes in. The captains did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded, and they each brought his men who were to go off duty on the Sabbath with those who were to come on duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave to the captains the spears and the shields that had been King David's when they were in the house of the Lord. And the guards stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, from the south side of the house to the north side of the house, around the altar and the house on the behalf of the king. Then he brought out the king's son and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony. And they proclaimed him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Our first Sunday in Advent in a pandemic. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Many of you know this already. Uh, Tomorrow begins another three weeks of a pretty restrictive lockdown for those in LA County. We welcome those who are outside of LA County as well. Uh, We are going to worship God together and this time, probably more than any, I believe the Advent will make sense to you this year. Christmas will have a special meaning to you. I've done Advent series in the past, uh, uh, reminding us that God's hope comes in the middle of anguish, comes in the middle of darkness, comes in the middle when things are very not all right. Um, For crying out loud, I've had a series called Advent in Anguish with an upside-down Christmas tree. Um, I've mostly done these series um, to people who were doing, on the surface, pretty all right. And I was reminding them that things were probably not all right as they might seem. But in 2020, in the gray, in the gloom, in the days that bleed into other days, and the days of the weeks have turned into mushy, non-distinct markers of time, Uh, we need light. And not only light, we need delight. I don't mean that as in Jesus is delight of the world. I don't mean it in that way. I mean it like we need childlike delight and awe that will give us something in 2020 grayness. We need discoveries that make us marvel again, that that make us find some kind of wonder, some kind of joy, some kind of brightness. Um, When you look at kids, um, you tell them something. You tell them some amazing story, and and they trust it, and, and they don't mind the mystery of the story. 
and they hear it and they accept it for what it is. And, and then they say, hey, tell it to me again. I want to, I want to watch it again. I want to hear it again. Read it to me again. And they can have the same suspense and they can have the same happy relief story upon hearing the story time and time again. Uh, 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 it, it's like this kid who, who finds and sees lights and decorations for the very first time. Oh, let's look over here, man. What's up here? I want to be like that kid, uh, especially as we go through the next four weeks entitled Like a Child. I want every week to be this little account of a child or children uh, that comes from our scriptures. And then every week, I want, I want us to be able to find something that amazes us all over again, gives us wonder, gives us delight, especially in the promises and hope of God coming, arriving to us in Advent, and especially finding him in the incarnation, the arrival of God to us and with us. This morning we find ourselves in the middle of a story that might make you think like you're watching an ancient version of The Crown, but I think it'd be a little bit more graphic, like it should be on HBO. It's more like Game of Thrones than it is like Middle Earth or Narnia. And you have all these different houses and dynasties and personalities and, and claimants to the throne and to power. It comes from a portion of scriptures we call um, Kings and Chronicles. And they're the histories of our scriptures, especially of the Old Testament. Um, they're the Cimmerillion of, the Bi- of the, our Bible. Um, they detail the rise and fall of kings, governments through uh, not just Israel, but um, the split kingdoms. When Israel split into the northern kingdom of Israel and Judah to the south, and they detail those histories. And if you ever read it, like if you come to it freshly and, and you read it and you know that God had made this promise to Abraham, you may, you know that he had made this promise through David, and you know this this promise of like this super avenger king or a Messiah, is going to come through Judah. And you read these freshly, these histories in a fresh way. It, it, when you read them, you think, there's, there's no way. <laughs> there, there's no way. that It's not happening. There's way too many conflicts, way too many problems. There's just no way. There are no dragons coming to the rescue here, okay? It, it's, it's not going to happen. And, and reading through these histories now as an adult, I, I, I felt this intrigue and I felt the suspense and the scandals a little bit more uh, as an adult. I was amazed. I was amazed that, that God was always working. Like it didn't seem to be working, but he was never, he was, he never left. He never, he never stopped working. And he's always guiding his story through these bizarre, crazy, evil stories. And it's not just like he's the best script writer. He's the only power 
that can make something good and lasting happen. Uh, nothing is a God stopper. And, and just at 46 years old, I am more convinced that he is the only good that can make anything happen and not any man or woman. I, I'm just more convinced of this. And so uh, if you want to explore this further, this part of our story, it's gonna, you're going to find it in Second Chronicles chapters 22 through 24 and also in Second Kings uh, chapter 11 and 12 chapters 11 and 12. So our story starts this morning with a strapping young man. He's about 22 years old. His name is Ahaziah. And at 22, he's made king of the house of Judah, so the southern kingdom. And he's he's quite he's quite the virile alley cat too. Um, he's baby daddy many times over already at 22. Now his mom, Athalia, was instrumental in getting her son on that throne at 22. And she is a tough lady. She is shrewd. She is mean. Handel, um, uh, Handel even wrote an oratoria, oratorio uh, about Athalia. She is a character, an evil character. Um, so, Ahaziah, the 22-year-old, he's been king for about a year, and he takes a trip to Israel, the northern kingdom, and this this trip is for a pretty standard state visit. It's very um, photo-oppy, right? You shake hands, or in 2020, you bump elbows, and um, you smooth over any outstanding quibbles, and it's just a standard state visit between regions or kings. So uh, Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, they murder him in a not-so-standard state visit kind of way, okay? Now, his mom, Athalia, uh, grieves in the only way that she knows how to grieve, and what she does is she murders every single claimant to her son's throne. That's right. Athalia murders all of her grandchildren. Now, her parents would have been pretty proud of this. Who were Athaliah's parents? Does Ahab and Jezebel ring a bell? Uh, The pearl doesn't fall very far from the tiara, does it? It doesn't. Um, So Athaliah manages to find all her grandchildren, all of Ahaziah's baby mamas, all except one. It's this little one-year-old named Joash. And Joash, the little child, gets rescued by Jehoshaphat. Now, I'm going to just say Jabeth, okay? Um, who is who is, who is Jabeth? Um, she is Ahaziah's sister, and she married the high priest at that time, Jehoiada. So Jabeth grabs Joash, this little one-year-old child, and takes him and his nurse, and they hide them on the temple campus for the next six years. Um, So Jehoiada and Jabeth take care of little Joash. Uh, Jehoiada and Jabeth, they start their own family too, and they have a little baby that they name Zechariah. All the while, um, Athalia sits on her son's bloody throne, um, and she is not a nice queen either. She is quite the naughty queen. Um, when, when, when Joash 
reaches seven years old. So this is six years later. Jehoiada, this is Jabeth's um, high priest husband, um, they hatch a plan. And it, it's a gutsy move. It's a gutsy plan. It all has to happen with perfect precision and confidence. So um, when when royalty is crowned, like almost like our modern day inauguration ceremony, it all happens in the temple courts in the middle of these huge columns. It's it's they do this. It's like uh, giving your new uh, kingship or your rulership some divine legitimacy if you do it in the temple courts. So. Jehoiada, he's the high priest at the time, Jabeth's husband. Um, Jehoiada organizes this pop-up inauguration ceremony. And he puts the little kid, seven-year-old Joash, he's, he's the age of my youngest, Jameson. So he puts seven-year-old Joash in the center of these columns. And he instructs the temple guard to form this big ring around Joash and he says, I want you to put your spears out. And he says, if anybody comes at you, kill them. Then the rest of his plan unfolds. Okay, this huge, loud ceremony begins, loud trumpets, fanfare, and every familiar part of the liturgy for crowning a new king begins to happen. Now imagine the drone shot of this scene. So you have little child Joash. He's in the center of the light and frame right on the mosaic marble floor. And then a circle of 200 plus temple guards guard around him, spears at the ready. And you have Jehoiada, he's the high priest in a full priestly garb, decked out to the nines, 100% formal ceremony wear. And musicians are on full blast, the horns are going. And there's people hearing the news. Wait, wait, what? We had a hidden king? We had a hidden king? And they begin to show up. Oh. And Athalia hears it too, from the palace. And she knows someone is being treated like royalty, and it's not her. She mad. So she takes some of the palace muscle with her and they rush over to the temple courts and the crowds part for her too. You do not want to mess with Athalia, especially when she's in a mood. So she approaches the circle. Who is this child? Now that was Athalia's last day on earth. You do not mess with temple guards. The drone shot shows the marble turning red. And that was Joash's first day on a new throne. Seven years old. I, I wish that was the end of the story. That's only season one. Okay, so Jehoiada and Jabeth, they continue to raise these two boys, the boy king Joash and Zechariah, who's in line to take, to take his dad's place as high priest. And so Jehoiada pours a lot of time into Joash, and Joash listens carefully 
to Jehoiada. And he does good things, and he does just things, and he does merciful things. Uh, Jehoiada, the high priest, he, he eventually dies. So now Joash, the king, who has also aged himself, has to fly on his own. And he does, but it, but it's really not pretty. Uh, he listens to new bad advisors. He even has Baal statues brought in for worship. His decisions just get worse and worse. Uh, uh, someone is selected to confront Joash, the boy king who, who went off the rails. Who is it? Well, it's Jehoiada's and Jabeth's son, Zechariah, the new high priest. Zechariah shows uh, Joash just how far off he's gone. Now the people hate hearing this confrontation. Uh, Joash hates it. He's embarrassed and he's hassled. He's hassled by this temple conscience from Zechariah. And so Joash hatches his own plan. He shows up in the temple courts with his own planted crowd and his own planted crew and he calls for Zechariah to come out and Zechariah does and at the king's signal stones come out from underneath the robes and they all throw them at Zechariah they murder Zechariah in the temple courts everyone's guilty no one's guilty uh, Joash murders the son of the couple who saved him as a one-year-old toddler, his boyhood friend. The marble is red again. As Zechariah lay dying, uh, you know what he says? May the Lord see this and avenge. Those are his last words. If, if Jabeth could have foreseen her prized son being killed, would she have rescued that one-year-old toddler? If Jabeth could have foreseen all, that all Jehoiada's mentoring still produced a horrible king, would she have rescued that one-year-old toddler? If Jabeth could have foreseen that her rescue was only a temporary rescue, would she have rescued that one-year-old toddler? I can't answer that for Jabeth, but I can answer it for me. Nope. Not the price of my son. Hundreds of years later, there's another Zechariah. He's a priest too. And he's praying in the temple. And he's visited by Gabriel, the angel. And Gabriel tells him that he's going to be a dad to a son named John. And he's going to be great. And he's going to be the forerunner to the Avenger, the Messiah. Now, Zechariah thinks 
That's a little, just a little too far-fetched. Why? He's old. His wife, Elizabeth, is old too. And they've never had any kids because she couldn't have any kids. So he kind of doesn't believe it. So suddenly he can't speak. He's struck mute by Gabriel. Those words from old Zechariah. May the Lord see this and avenge. Strange things begin to happen. Elizabeth's little cousin Mary, just a young teenage girl, finds out she is also pregnant. They meet. Elizabeth goes to meet her. Mary gives a bright hello, like a greeting. And only a mother can experience this. But the baby inside Elizabeth knows something and leaps in response to this little girl's voice. Who is this child? Who is this child? Elizabeth gives birth, brings the baby for the naming It usually happens at circumcision, which is eight days after birth. You bring the baby to the temple and you circumcise the baby, but you also name the baby. And the people in the temple, the priests, the workers at the temple, they assume that he's just going to be called Zechariah, just like his pop. No, 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 no. His name is going to be John, Elizabeth says. Uh, They look at Zechariah. Did you sign off on this? Uh, Zechariah still can't speak. He's furiously making hand signals. Asks for a writing tablet. They give him one. And he writes on the writing tablet, His name is John. And suddenly, Zechariah can speak again. His name is John. His name is going to be John. What does that name mean? Yah, which is shorthand for Yahweh. Yah is gracious, full of favor. But what about, may the Lord see this and avenge. Yah is gracious. May the Lord see this and avenge. So Zechariah gushes with his newfound voice. And he says things like, God has visited us. He has now raised up a loud horn of salvation, like inauguration horns. He's saved us from our enemies. He's going to show mercy that he promised long ago. He swore to Abraham, and now it's happening. This boy is going to prepare the way for our avenger. Yah is gracious, and may the Lord see this and avenge. God did see. God does avenge on his own son. The spears were not facing outward, but they were facing toward the inside of the circle. The drone shot is very different here. He's the vulnerable king who didn't preserve his life, but gave it. He is the priest crowning himself, not with a tiara or a crown, but of thorns. He is the prophet 
crying out, may God see this and avenge. But this is new. He's the Lamb. Uh, He's also the temple. His father knew the story. Knew his redeemed ones would heave the stones and turn the spears, but that was not a God stopper. Not of his promises. Not of a fierce love that we cannot possibly pretend to manufacture or reproduce, but only receive it. This is delight for you in this first week of Advent. Nothing, nothing, nothing can stop the Father's plan for your vitality and life. Not your grayness. Your grayness can't stop Him. Your gloom cannot stop Him. 2020 cannot stop Him. Your less than stellar responses to hardship does not stop His plan. You going off the rails does not stop Yahweh from being gracious. Your less than perfect response to his beautiful redemption does not stop his redemption. We are far more like Joe Ash than we'd like to imagine. We do not handle rescue well. But in the shadow of the lit manger, the marble turns red. Who is this child? And for once, for all, the Avenger is here with us, for us, not against us. Prepare him room. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, in you seeing ahead your great story, you did not stop your hand. You did not protect your very own son but for a purpose, both of you, your own son, driven by a ferocity and a love and a tenacious keeper of promise, so that we would not have to be the king. We would not have to be the priest. We would not have to be the sacrifice delight our hearts again, especially today, in this month, in what you have done for us, in the middle of our gray, in the middle of our gloom. Give it to us, Emmanuel, our Avenger, in Jesus' name, amen.